0: Welcome Valley family big shout out to all of our uh, Valley family in our Poughkeepsie campus and so many that are joining us online as well. Uh, this past weekend, for instance, we almost had 400 devices log in just to watch our, our uh, Sunday service. And uh, uh, we're so thrilled. We know sometimes schedules make it difficult to be able to get here on Sunday, but you're still trekking along with us. And uh, we, we just want to welcome you. A big shout out to you. We're in for a special treat today. Uh, this has been our Connexus weekend, and we've had some real heavy hitters come in uh, as our special speakers and uh, one of my friends uh, is gonna be just actually open the word sharing the word with us today and that's Mike Bolton uh, Mike actually and he's not the singer Mike he's better than the singer Michael Bolton he really is uh, he's got 30 years of ministry experience uh, pastoring leading a church in Canada uh, he and his wife actually now uh, go between Canada and Dallas as well he's got extensive background in business as well and uh, I don't know if it's the hair or just it's so similar to mine or what it is but I just when I first met Mike had a great heart-to-heart connection and really you know what it is, not only has he got athletics in his background, he was a tremendous hockey player, uh, but but really what it is, is he loves Jesus, and I love Jesus too, and so we're in the same family, and uh, I was thrilled when he agreed to speak on Sunday, online, Poughkeepsie campus, and in Hopewell campus as well, and so I just want to invite you right now, open your hearts up to hear what God's laid on his heart as he talks about hearing God's voice at work as we continue our Frequency series right now. Would you welcome Mike Bolton?
1: Welcome. I'm excited to be here at Valley Christian uh, with you today. And I'm just really excited about the topic about hearing God at work. It's one of those things that um, is really near and dear to my heart as well, to be able to hear what God has to say, and to be able to be successful in life. And I want to give you a little bit of background about uh, who I am and why this is important. It's one of those topics that if you have a context for it, what I'm going to say over the next few minutes is going to make even more sense. I grew up in a family where my dad was a, a business owner. So we had a business in the city. We moved out to a rural area. Um, He became a farmer, which is a whole story in and of itself. I decided not to become a farmer for a lot of reasons, Uh, but he was always interested. My dad was always interested in business, and it's the, the realm that I grew up in, and so we had a service station and a motel, and I have sisters, and so they work with my mom in the motel, and I work with my dad in the business, my brother and I, and it was one of those things I thought, this is what I want to do kind of looking at my life and looking at what the future was going to. I'm going to go to university, and I'm going to study business, and I'm going to be a business person. And so that was always my dream growing up. And I remember looking back in, in uh, high school yearbooks where you have, what are you going to do? And it was, I'm just going to go into business. That's what I'm going to do. And so that was always there in, in the back of my mind as I looked at my life and what it was going to be. Well, then things changed when I was a senior in high school. And I connected with some people. I was going to a Christian, a private Christian school and playing hockey in the community and, and, and really had just become a new Christian. Actually, in 1981, when I became a Christian, everything in my life changed. I had grown up kind of nominal in faith and went to church as long as I had to when my mom couldn't force me anymore. And then I said, ah, I'm done. I'm not going to go anymore. And my life kind of went in a direction away from God. And God and I met in a very significant situation. And it was those moments, I surrendered, he won, and I'm going to turn my life over to him. And that was 1981. And then going, that as a senior in high school, going to a Christian school, and everything in my world changed. I had a whole new perspective on things, and I was hungry after God. And so after high school, I stayed. They had a small Bible college, and, and I began to study the Bible and really enjoy digging into God's word. And I had a person who was pretty influential in my life and he said, Mike, I think I want to train you in speaking and maybe some things about being a pastor. And, and you don't have to be one, but at least it'll be good for you to be a good, solid, you know, church member as you grow up. And so he began to train. I remember the first time I ever spoke in church, it was probably eight minutes long, and I felt like it was forever. But I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed getting into the Word and sharing. And and, you know, you have those older ladies in the church, they go, oh, you're such a good boy. You know, you should should think about becoming a pastor. And I go, no, 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 it's not for me. But it was interesting, along in that journey, while I was in Bible college, I really felt this strong call to ministry. Now, the church fellowship I grew up in didn't believe in the Holy Spirit operating today. You know, in the Bible, that was then, this is now, we have the finished Word of God, and and uh, that was the, the fellowship. So you don't really listen to God outside of his word. And I go, it was normal to me because that's all I, I grew up in. But it, it made it very challenging to be able to make sense out of some of those moments where you hear, you feel like you're hearing from God, but I'm not supposed to be hearing from God that way. What do I do? How do I discern it? And our spirit-filled friends, and I had some of them, of course, the fellowship, they thought they were like demon-possessed. And I go, that's not, that's not good for, you know, building community and, and working. And so it was always this idea in my mind, I really want to hear from God, so I'll just dig into the Word. And I felt this call to ministry, and it shifted the direction of my life away from what I called the secular to the sacred, and I had this mindset that there was... You know, there was the world stuff and and making money and doing that. And then there was the higher calling of God. And so I began to walk down that journey, pastored for a number of years. And then in 1999, my wife and I had a real challenging time in our relationship uh, to the point that our marriage almost blew up. And it was one of those come-to-Jesus moments again. Something has got to change. And I went for some ministry and received, as a pastor, get this some deliverance all right and that's a whole nother story but the challenge was something needed to change and i was willing to go lord i know i need to change and so the change took place and all of a sudden now what god had done that i didn't think was possible set me on another journey to go okay if i've been missing out on this i better catch up and i was at that point already in my early 30s and been pastoring for quite a few years and it was, Lord, I know I'm late to the party. This was my prayer. I know I'm late to the party, but please help me catch up. And in 1999, he really answered that prayer. And so it began this whole journey of moving, how do I hear from God? How do I discern? How do I grow in spiritual maturity? How do I operate in the gifts of the Spirit in a way that's not crazy and out to lunch? And, but how will I do that in ministry? And God was very faithful in answering the cry of my heart, Lord, I want to be able to hear your voice. Now you ask the question, why is it even important? Some people go, listen, I, look, I, have a, you know, I listen to a pastor speak and I watch you know, somebody online and I read a book. That's enough, I don't need any more. But it was one of those questions that I had to ask myself, why do I need to hear from God? Because we live in a very challenging world, It's not easy to navigate, and I think even today it's even more difficult, especially for those people in business, to be able to navigate that world. We need to be able to hear the voice of the Lord. In John 10, Jesus said, the sheep hear my voice. They know the voice of the Master. Yeah, we read it in God's Word, but we also know that voice, that little, still, small voice. We hear it, we know it, the voice of the Good Shepherd. And we need to be people who are able to hear that and deal with the complications of the world that we live in. Now, remember I told you that I had kind of given up on that business idea that had been in my heart? All of a sudden, when things in me changed, interestingly enough, God began to open up that door again. And I've kind of reflected back on it. If I would have started then, what I began to do when I was in, in pastoring, in ministry... I think it would have taken me out. Because he had to do some things in my heart before I was ready for it. So, here's a, here's a, here's a cool story. When I was pastoring, I, I really had a fascination with real estate. So we're pastoring in this community. We've made a transition. I'm pastoring a spirit-filled church. My wife started a business and it's starting to be successful. We have some extra money as a pastor. And I go, I want to do something with this. What am I going to do? So in the small community, 7,500 people where we were pastoring, I walked by from our house to the church. In the summer, I would walk, get some exercise, good thing. And I walked by this house, and I remember going, I said to myself, Lord, if that ever becomes available, I'm going to buy it and fix it up. Be careful what you pray for. The next week, a friend of mine who's a realtor is out there pounding a sign into the ground. And I stopped, and I go, it's for sale. Well, yeah, obviously, you know, you know. And, and I, what's the story on it? And he began to explain it to me. It was a family member who wasn't able to look after it, obviously, by the shape that it was in. And I go, well, I made a lowball offer, and they countered a little bit, and we came to an agreement. I bought my first rental property for $10,500. And I may have overpaid. It was so bad. It was, but it was an answer to prayer. And I began to fix up and buy and fix up. And the, the, what God had put in my heart was, You want to impact your community? Impact something that impacts everyone in the community. Start with that. And now you'll have an open door to speak into their lives. So as a pastor and being involved, and I became one of the five largest landlords in our community. Small town, so it didn't take much to get there. But I was now at the table because I was making a difference in our community for people to provide them good accommodations at a reasonable price. Yeah, I still wanted to make a profit. But I wanted to provide something good for our community. And the doors that that opened up were amazing. So God was beginning to open up the doors in business. And and when I was in university, I had studied business. I got a master's degree in business. And it was one of those things that was always there, but I didn't know what to do with it. And it was amazing as that began to transition. And now for the last 15 years, 10 years, about the last 10 years, been pretty actively involved in business and ministry not pastoring a local church anymore my wife and i moved from canada down to the u.s we're in texas and be, and began to open up new doors and so when i when i speak to business people i go i get where you're at i didn't get it before but i get it now And taking what I understand about God's Word and that journey as a pastor and now in the business realm and a partner in several successful businesses, God has opened up all kinds of doors. And I tell you, now even more than ever, I need to hear God's Word. So we already know why it's important. We live in a complicated world. We need to hear the voice of the shepherd. So I'm going to give you five ideas, all right? These are things that work for me. Take the ones that work for you. Take them all. Take some of them. Because I want you to be able to hear, and I'm going to keep it simple. Because simple works for me, and I think it might work for some other people. Number one, read the Bible. Well, of course, obviously I should read the Bible. No, I'm talking about read the Bible with a new set of eyes. It was interesting. Somebody challenged me, and he said to me, where do you think Jesus spent most of his time? Reread the Gospels. And see where Jesus spent most of his time. It wasn't in the temple. It wasn't in the synagogue. He ran into opposition and challenge there. Where did he spend most time? In the marketplace. It says where sinners received him gladly. And they accused him of being a friend of sinners. And I remember going, hmm. What would it be like to be a friend of sinners? Well, how do you know if... You're friends with sinners when sinners call you their friend then you know you're a friend of sinners and i remember in the community people who would not darken the door of a church maybe except for a funeral or a wedding they would they would introduce me as their pastor people in the business world in the community we lived in and i go i think i may have crossed over a threshold I began to read the Bible in a new way and begin to see things in a new way that just totally changed my paradigm or maybe expanded my paradigm of who Jesus was and what he did in reading the Bible with a new set of eyes and meditating on it. And, and the way I read the Bible differently than I ever had, not just for information, but for application. Lord, if this is true, what will it look like in a, in a, in a, in a practical sense? What will it look like as I take it and try to put it in my life in the day-to-day of what I do? What would that look like? What would have to be, what would you need to change in me? What would I need to be able to say and do and connect with people? Radically began to change the way that I looked at things. And here's something I do, and I'll throw this out for you. The book of Proverbs, I think, is one of the most practical in the New Testament. Maybe the book of James in, in the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs, specifically relating to practical everyday living. But Proverbs has so much to offer when it comes to uh, business ideas and business relationships and personal growth as a leader and growing in wisdom instead of foolishness. I know what foolishness looks like. I can look at my own life. I want to I be a person who they would say, you got some wisdom. If anybody could give me a compliment... And it would revolve around wisdom. It would speak to my heart. To go, you're growing in wisdom. I haven't arrived, but I tell you, I have learned a few things along the way. I've been trying to pay attention. I've been trying to understand what God's word has to say and apply it in a real and meaningful way. Because for so many people, that's the biggest disconnect. The Bible doesn't relate to anything in my life. No, it relates to more than you think. And the whole idea of Proverbs, this is what I do. I have my Bible app on my phone. I have the book of Proverbs. There's 31 of them. Most months, there's 31 days. If I have to double up, you know, months that are 30 or shorter, then I do that. And I just rotate that year after year after year. And it has been the absolute best thing that I have ever done when it comes to taking God's Word, looking at the Bible, and making that connection. Start with, if you want to hear what God says, look at what He's already said. Because it's consistent. God is not inconsistent. It's, there's a continuum there. And it gives you a place where when you hear things, you can go, well, that's not what it says in the Bible. Because I have a grounding, a foundation. I have a footing. And it's incredibly important. Okay, enough on that. Read the Bible. Think about how it applies. Number two, getting wise counsel. Getting counsel. Proverbs chapter 12 talks about there is wisdom in getting counsel. There is great wisdom in getting counsel. Wise people seek out counsel. They don't. They, they realize they don't know everything. I'm always scared of people who come across as know-it-alls. I used to be one of them. I wouldn't have trusted me in my earlier days because I was kind of a know-it-all. And it's amazing when you know a lot or you think you know a lot, you probably don't have much life experience. And you need to be careful who you get counsel from. I want to tell tell you something. When my wife and I were making some changes in our finances and we're looking at a new financial advisor giving financial counsel to us, there was uh, a a gentleman who I thought would be a good candidate. But you know what I did? I made a decision to not do anything for a whole year. And I was going to watch him. He was a part of the church we connected with up in Canada. And I watched. And you know what I watched? I didn't watch what he did financially, because I really didn't know, other than I knew he was competent because he was having some success in building his portfolio under management. But you know what I was watching? How does he serve in the house? How does he treat his wife? What are his kids like? Is he respected in the business community? Do people seek him out for counsel? He was someone who's not that much older than my oldest son. But I saw something in him. There was a, there was a go-getter out there, but there was a, a humility Most of the time. But he's grown in that area. And I watched throughout that year things that mattered to me. What was important to me, I was hoping was important to him. And I found out a lot of those things were. The things that mattered were. And I remember when I sat down with him and said, we'd like you to be our financial advisor. And I told him why. Got a big smile on his face. Because those were things that were important to him. Serving in the house. Kingdom first family time how important it was we had them over for dinner we were at their place for dinner we watched their kids all of those things were important to me and the and the key thing with getting counsel is to make sure you're being very careful who you get counsel from as people say talk is cheap and you get what you pay for a lot of people can talk a lot of people can give you their opinion it's not going to cost you anything But if they don't have anything to back it up, be very careful who you get counsel from. Get counsel, but choose wisely. And I have very strategic people in my life. It's not a large group, but very strategic people in my life that I check in with. This is what I'm doing. What do you think? Try to explain. They'll ask some good questions. They'll go, I need to pray about that. That's exactly what I was hoping. Asking very key questions... And sometimes just the, the process of them asking questions to get information so they can give wise counsel is unbelievably beneficial. By the end of it, I go, listen, I know what to do. I'm not going to do that. Just me having to try to explain it to you has shown me that I don't want to move in that direction. And it unbelievable. I used to be, you know, remember I talked about used to be a know-it-all? The decision, I didn't ask anybody. And guess what kind of decisions I made? Sometimes I was lucky. You know, blind squirrel finds an acorn every once in a while. You know, you get lucky and you go, oh, I know what I'm doing. When it was just dumb luck, you just stumbled across it. Now there's other moments where you, you really do mess up because you didn't get wise counsel. And it's incredibly important, successful people have people around them who give them wise counsel. It's amazing how much the voice of some of those people sounds like the voice of God now that's beside my wife who her voice sounds a lot like the voice of God but that's a whole other marriage topic and we'll get into that a later time all right number 3 strategic partnerships in ecclesiastes it talks about two are better than one a threefold cord is not easily broken there are things that i can do on my own and a lot of people in business they go listen i don't want to partner with anybody Because I've been burned by partnerships. I've been burned by partnerships too. I'll guarantee you everybody who has been involved in a partnership at some point has been burned by partnerships. And what hurts the most is it's the partnerships with people of like-minded faith. It is what it is. Is it okay to be honest about it? Because it is what it is. There are people who love Jesus and are not gonna make good partners. For whatever reason. They got some e- emotional baggage they haven't dealt with. They got some spiritual inconsistencies, some wrong way of thinking, maybe a lack of work ethic. I don't know what it is. They talk more, they overpromise and underdeliver. I don't know what it what it is. But the challenge is you're going to have partnerships that are not going to work out. That's the reality of it, even with people of faith. Don't assume. Can I, can I speak something really clear? Don't assume because people are people of faith that they're going to make good partners to be involved in business with. Don't make that assumption. It's okay to check that, that we have a common understanding and we have a common foundation. But that's only a small part of what the journey is going to look like in choosing strategic partners. Nowadays, you know, wisdom, age brings the opportunity for wisdom. It doesn't guarantee it that older people are wiser, but it has the possibility and the potential. If you've been paying attention, life is a great teacher. And so when I'm involved in business right now, in any kind of partnerships, here's my list of non-negotiables. Because I've learned some things along the way, here's my checklist. Are they a kingdom-focused person? Number one, are they a kingdom-focused person? Do they love Jesus and do they have a kingdom mindset which is beyond, it includes the local church, but impacting the city and the region and even more than that. That it needs to impact in a positive way. Even as Jesus talked about, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Begins in the church, begins in the family, begins in the home, expands from there. Impacts the city impacts the region my kingdom focused here's a really key one do they have strategic partnerships do they have a track record of success and failure i don't trust anybody to a great extent i'm a pretty trusting person but if i'm going to invest money and i'm going to be involved in this i don't need to see their list of successes i need to see their list of failures What have they failed at and overcome and not become cynical, disillusioned, angry, frustrated? How do people handle their successes? That's one thing. And if there's a whole dose of humility there, that's a good sign for me. But when they fail as well and the battle scars are there, have they learned from their failures? Everybody's going to fail. Everybody's going to fail. Did you learn from it? Did I learn from it? Yes. And so that's one of the checklists, the success and failure. And how did they respond to both? And I always look at people's family. Now, that's not to say if there's not challenges in a family that I can't be partners with them. But again, how have they responded? How have they learned? How have they gotten better? How are they treating their spouse? How do they treat their kids? How is their family seen? Not perfect, but working at it and working towards excellence. And so one of the things with strategic partnerships is I'm very careful to vet, to test, and I'm patient. People go, what? It's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and you have to decide today. Then the answer is no. No, 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 but you don't understand. No, I do understand. If you want me to answer today, the answer is no. I don't care how good the deal is. I don't care how good the opportunity is. That's not how I operate, and that's not... I need to get counsel... I need to talk to my partners. I need to look into God's word. I need to know what He's saying. I need time. And if it's, a, you have to decide today, which is a marketing ploy, just so you know, a sales ploy. You know, it, once, you know, the deal's off the table, fine, go sell it to somebody else. I'm always patient because when I haven't been patient, then I've messed up. More often than not, When I'm not patient and taking the time to to check things out, that's when I've gotten caught in something because I didn't read the fine print. I didn't know all the details. Of course, you know, the sales thing is all the good and none of the bad when the challenge is, well, I understand there's an upside to things. What's the downside? What happens if it goes south? What happens if it doesn't work out? What's the detail there when it comes to whatever business dealing and enterprise there's going to be? So strategic partnerships. And I have some strategic partners now that are unbelievable. Now here's a key thing as well. They're different than I am. I don't need to do business with people who are just like me. I need some people who are a little bit different than me. Maybe they're a little more detail oriented. Maybe they they look into things a little bit different. My wife tells me people can sell you anything. Because you're a relational person and you want the relationship. And they know that but it's not always the best way of doing things. Sometimes you need to step back and go, hey, great person, let's check out the deal. Let's check out what the situation is and how this is gonna work out. Number four, prayer. Something as simple as the Lord's prayer. You know, simple and basic. Lord, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us. I tell you, one of the best things that people can do is walk in forgiveness. There is ample opportunity to be offended in this world. Ample opportunity. Every day. Do I want to walk in bitterness and unforgiveness or forgiveness? I'm talking about the simple things of life and prayer is one of those incredible things. But when it comes to prayer, how am I praying? Do I want to pray about it do I want to pray with my wife about it I'll give I'll give you um, an insight that I had when it comes to prayer there was a there was a business deal and I liked real estate I'm kind of divesting and changing some things in real estate at the moment but I remember this opportunity came in West Texas and it was a friend and he was needing to sell and it was like oh this is great I don't need to pray about it because the deal is so good Went and saw the properties. They were about what I thought. The price was right. The numbers looked good. This is like the best deal ever. I talked to my wife. I didn't pray with her about it. I talked to her about it. She said, I don't know. I kind of have this feeling that there's, there's just maybe more to it and it might not be good. I go, no, you're wrong. You're totally wrong. You're totally wrong. This is a good deal. I, do, I didn't say out loud I don't need to pray about it because that wouldn't be spiritual. But in my heart, I'm saying I don't need to pray. It's a, it's a great deal. Can I tell you the end of the story? Once I finally, I owned it for a while and I had to unwind it. You wanna know how much I lost? About $200,000. And if I would have prayed about it, I'm sure the Lord would have told me, no, you can pass on this one. But there were two things that I learned in that moment. One was pride. I wanted to be a person who owned a lot of property. So when people ask me, well, how many properties do you own? I could say, well, excuse me just a sec, I lost count, let me just add them up in my mind, you know, and I could go from hand to hand and, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, yeah, yeah, probably more than 50, I've, you know, I've lost count. It was pride. I knew exactly when, when that all unwound and I had to eat humble pie. And I went back and I go, what did I do wrong? First off, I didn't pray about it. Number two, there was pride in my heart. I didn't want to own it because it was a good deal. I wanted to own it because I could tell people how many properties I owned. And boy, that was a slap in the face. When you pray to God, God, what's going on in my heart? And all of a sudden he says, uh, pride. He did not have to say anymore. It was like stabbing right to the heart because I knew what it was. I did, and I remember going, I don't need to pray about this. Kind of reminded me of, um, of the story in the book of Joshua. After they take the city of Jericho, <laughs> and they're kind of, you know, they had to deal with the whole, the whole sin issue afterwards and the stuff that was stolen and, and, all, and the discipline that had to happen with that. And now the Gibeonites show up, and they're in tattered, worn-out clothes and moldy bread, and we're from a far country, we want to make peace. And I remember reading the story again, and it was like Joshua and the people, well, of course they're from a faraway country. It's obvious Moldy bread, worn out shoes, worn out clothing. They didn't inquire of the Lord. And it turned out they were right there, neighbors, and they made a peace treaty which they had to honor. And they got tricked. And I remember the truth of that came out to me. Because I did not inquire of the Lord, I'm now suffering the consequences of my decision. Now you can lose money and not learn anything from it. But you still lost the money. And my attitude was, since I have lost the money and I'm glad to be out of this situation, why don't I learn something from it? And it was inquire of the Lord. Pray about it. Getting strategic people to pray about it as well. My wife and I have someone that we regularly um, give gifts to, financial gifts, because they regularly pray for us. They pray about stuff my wife and the business, mine, and the stuff that I'm involved in for us and our family. And we honor that commitment they make by giving them a financial gift every time we see them. Because we want them, are you hearing anything? Is there anything we need to be aware of? Is it a green light? Is it a yellow light? Is it a red light? Is it something we should move ahead with or hold back on? What should we do? And if we're not sure, take some more time. But that idea of me praying, I'm praying with my wife, praying with strategic people. And here's another thing, prophecy. There are prophetic people who do have a word for us. But in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, test what the prophecy is. Check it out. I remember my wife got some crazy prophecies that somebody was supposed to take over her role. It was like, no. I was out to lunch. And we're able to discern that because you tested. You don't, just because somebody says I'm sensing from the Lord, they prophesy in part. That's what 1 Corinthians says. We prophesy in part. They have a part and it'll cause us to seek the Lord. He'll talk to us. I don't need someone else to hear from the Lord on my behalf. Unless my heart is hard, which I'm praying it's not, and keep working on keeping it renewed and soft. But it's confirming it's encouraging. It helps if there's a warning, if there's something we need to be aware of. So prayer. And number five, the last one. Training and learning. Proverbs 1014. Here's a favorite proverb of mine. You can tell I, I like Proverbs a lot. Proverbs 1014, wise people store up knowledge. So let me give you an idea of what that means. When the situation arises, it's too late to prepare. I know Pastor Greg, football is a big thing for him and coaching and preparation. As a coach, you don't prepare the day of the game. You don't even prepare the day before the game. You're working at that a long time before. Because when the situation comes, you need to be prepared. All of the training that goes into it, all of the things that have to go into it, how important it is. So, what I do is I'm a reader and I read widely. And I don't just read in Christian circles. I read regularly in Harvard Business Review. What are the best practices out there? I read the best business books. I belong to one of those summary clubs where they summarize it for you. So I can just get the high points of it. So I can fill my spirit, my soul, with, wit, with knowledge. So when the situation comes, now the Lord has something to work with. Because I've stored up, I'm I'm always involved in training and studying and thinking and meditating. Because I want to learn, I want to be a learner and a trainer. (laughs) And the older you get, sometimes you can move away from that. And think, wow, we've done it this way for the last 25 years and we're not going to change it. I go, you're going to be out of business. If you're not changing and adapting and learning into the world that we live in and what's going on, You're going to be obsolete quicker than you think. And the world is changing more quickly than ever before. You have to be a learner. One of the people that I read a lot and connect with is John Maxwell. And he he quoted a study talking about the average university degree has a shelf life of about five to seven years. And and if after that point you stop learning, what you have learned is obsolete in the world we live in. And that will continue to accelerate and get faster and faster. You have to constantly be learning. I look back at my university degrees and go, ooh, that was a long time ago. What have I learned since then? What am I learning now? What am I working on? What am I listening to? What am I filling my mind and my soul with? Looking for truth. Looking for those things that's going to help in what God has called me to do. So, Just to wind down and to summarize and just to kind of remind you about hearing God's voice at work it's equally important to hear God's voice in every area of your life personally family relationally and all those things but hearing God at work is critically important to making strategic timing decisions the right decision at the right time is going to equal a better chance of success when you put it all together and we need to be hearing from God, getting wise counsel, reading his word, praying, learning, growing as people. And those, those five things, if you can even pick one of those, you're going to be one, farther, one step farther towards being all that God has called you to be in your destiny. Glad to be with you today. Hope you got something out of this. I'll be praying for you that you will be hearing the voice of God at work.